0: the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
1: What's good, internet? Welcome to Waypoints for June 19th, 2019. Uh, Quick note, we're cheating. This is actually an old episode of Waypoints, or part of one, actually. Uh, Our producer, Kato, had a great idea, which was to pull the original conversation that we had about the first two episodes of Evangelion, uh, which is a conversation we had back in November when the uh, Netflix deal was first announced, the Netflix Evangelion uh, release was first announced. And since that's happening in like a day or two, I forget which, we felt like maybe we should bring those. back into this feed. Uh, let people know that we are gonna, or let people know that we're gonna keep doing kind of a, an Ava rewatch over the next few weeks. We're still figuring out timing and what episodes to watch for that. But here's two things. One, this episode you're listening to now will be about the first two episodes. Um, you know, there are spoilers for those episodes, but not broader spoilers for this show. I'm the only one on this podcast who had seen Ava before. Um, I believe, and I'm the only one who had like at least had a clear memory. Of of what that show is. Um, I don't get into any spoilers. No one else really does, except for, for these two episodes. I think it's probably okay to listen to this ahead of watching those first two episodes, but I'm also not someone who minds spoilers that much. So maybe you want to watch those two episodes, then come listen to us. That's also cool. The second thing I want to say is, for next week's Waypoints, we're going to be watching episodes three through seven of Evangelion. And I don't know if that's the pace we're going to keep up in general, if it's going to be four episodes a week, or if it's going to be more than that, or less than that or trying to figure out kind of good stopping points and that's because we know that there are other things in the world we want to talk about and waypoints is supposed to give us space to do that um so for now though next week three to seven this week one and two. Uh, put those on your homework list and I hope you'll enjoy. I know a lot of people said really great things about this conversation. And frankly, if you like this conversation and you haven't heard the rest of Waypoints or if you didn't listen to Be Good and Rewatch It, you should go back and listen to some of that stuff. I, I think that this is a crew that brings a lot of rigor and and uh, expertise to having conversations about culture and history and media. And we do that nonstop both here in the Waypoints uh, feed and also in the Be Good, Be Good and Rewatch It feed, which is on hiatus at this point, but which would, uh, which will, uh, or does contain a bunch of great conversations similar to the one you are about to hear. Thanks as always. Thank you for sticking with us through our five star podcasts and our five star runtimes. Uh, and if you're new, welcome, uh, and I hope you enjoy. Peace.
2: It's Thursday, and it's time to welcome you to Waypoints, where the Waypoint staff and friends take a break to nerd out and deep dive on the culture, art, and entertainment that's inspiring and provoking us lately. Gathered around the table this Thursday, we've got Patrick Klepek. Hello. Danielle Riando. Hi, hello. And Austin Walker. Hey, hi.
3: Austin Walker here.
2: It seems like there's been some news on the Mecca front and the anime front, would you care to catch us up and oh set up this week's waypoint? I need you to know I looked for a beer before
1: I came back. We yep. took a break. I went yep. to the bathroom and I went to look for beer, <laughs> but there's no beer. There was a guy pouring wine, and I thought about it, but he seemed like a little. He seemed like he wanted to talk to me and sell me the wine. In the, in the I don't know why there's Did a you wine the salesman. I didn't try the second floor. Uh, so beer on the second do, floor. We
3: always have beer. Does that guy we always have beer and their? cups?
4: Maybe Sorry. he's just a – he's a Cowboy Bebop fan. He's he just could be. Trouble That's trouble
3: real with, fuck
4: with today's lies. snoots.
1: There, OK. So Netflix gave us a – t- gave us – by us, I mean the, the anime uh, – the nation <laughs> the of anime world. lovers, the otaku of the world. One-two punch this week. I'll tell you the second punch first, which is they announced a Cowboy Bebop live-action show, which, listen, I am – I'm not who I used to be. I'm fine. Fucking make your stupid live-action show – it's fine. It's not going to be good. I, it's going to be bad, and I'm going to watch it, and it's fine. I'm not – Cowboy Bebop's a great show, but it's more of a good show than a great show. It's in my top five anime what? of all time list, but Hold it's on. mostly a good show.
2: Okay. All right. What? What? You said it's mostly a good show, not a great show? But it's also in my
4: top five of all okay. time. I don't so like, really
2: – I feel formative, complicated. It was a
3: formative show? It's a, a deeply formative okay. show, right. and I well, think you know – is the we'll difference between about.
4: like your your favorite show and your and the best show, right? Like I, we try and like s- separate I, those yes, two.
1: I may have once given a talk about how there is no such thing as this, the the difference between those two things, and so I'm very complicated feelings about. It. We'll talk about Cowboy Bebop <laughs> another day. Okay, we'll talk All about right. that another day. That's uh-huh. a different
2: thing. Uh huh. But things that aren't complicated are ambiguous. <laughs>
1: Let me tell you about Shinseki Evangelion, (laughs) a.k.a. Neon Genesis Evangelion, a.k.a. uh, what is the actual name? It means like... Uh, Shinseke is it is the gospel of a new century okay. the gospel of the new century is what the name of the show means okay. um, Netflix announced earlier this week that they are bringing Evangelion aka Ava to uh, Netflix in the spring uh, kind of like an HD not even a remaster just they're bringing it to the streaming service including some of the, the it's movies it's not a remake it's, it's the, show a remake. It is the show okay. itself it's not a live version of the show it is the show itself Ava is a cult classic a, a critical success One of the most important shows in in contemporary anime history, Um, if you're telling the story of anime, you tell the story of Ava at least in brief. If you're telling a story about mecha anime, you stay there for a little bit. Um, It is a show – so if people don't know Anything about the show. If you've never heard of what Evangelion is, uh, it is a show about uh, the very high level. In fact, there's a very funny thing to do, which is if you just do a Google search for Evangelion, Google gives its synopsis and it says teens fight alien war machines animated. And that's not, it. that's not good. wrong. It's that's not good. wrong. It's All not right. wrong. Um, it is a show about a uh, – uh, the invasion, uh, a, a sort of existential threat to to the world by these strange beings called angels uh, and it follows a character named Shinji Ikari who is brought in to a group uh, paid for by the UN uh, who is building robots to fight these strange invaders. Uh, on its face, it's very similar to a lot of other mecha shows, and in fact, that's not only intentional; that is kind of one of the, the points of the show, uh, and, and in fact, reflects the creator's history. Um, the The lead creator, the director of the show, uh, is is uh, someone named I always forget his first name. I know his last name is Ano, uh, uh, Hideaki Hideaki uh, Ano, uh, and he is someone who had made. Shows, made anime shows for years. He did a show that's pretty good called Gunbuster, which is another mecha anime show about fighting aliens. Right. Uh, he'd done a, an animated movie for Gainax called Space Force. Um, and then he fell into a serious depression. Um, and he spent years not finishing anything, making stuff that didn't ever come to fruition. And then one day he was out drinking with a buddy from King Records, a record company, uh, and the guy from King Records said, "Hey, you should make. We'll get you a TV slot. Like, we'll pay you to make something, make anything, and we'll pay you because this is how it works. Like, this is part of one of the ways anime gets made, especially anime shows, is that they are they are not just paid for by like a TV production company. They're paid for by a production committee that is co-owned by various corporate interests. Okay. Um, this is how like you know." We'll talk about Gundam a little bit, but like Gundam gets made partially through studio money, but also by companies, by like the companies that own the video game rights and that own the toy rights and the model rights, because they are pitching in for the production so that they will then get all of the royalties from those, from that merchandising. And so this record company was like, hey, just make a show. We got you. Just make something. And so Anno sets out to make something that is about not running away, um, something that will interrogate his own depression. and. Will interrogate mecha anime and in the years since he's made this show, it's taken on – it's been one of those shows that's – one of those pieces of media that's taken on such a huge uh, reputation as being a classic and has such a vocal fan base that it's become incredibly polarizing. Um, For some, it is overrated. It is it is it, the latest in a long line of, of mecha shows, but not necessarily something that subverts them. Um, after all, mecha shows have, since Gundam at least, always been about the horror of war and the ways in which – Children are called upon to do things that they are not prepared for and that treats them as, as disposable uh, soldiers instead of as, as individuals in their own rights. Um, uh, and, and Also, a lot of those takes say like all of the weird symbolism, it's shitty. It doesn't mean anything. It's all bullshit. It's lots of people looking for something where there isn't anything. The other side of that are people who, ins- who see a work that reflects their own lives, reflects their history with depression, their issues with their parents. Their, their, their journeys uh, towards understanding their sexualities and their own identities um, and, and often sometimes when pushed to extreme becomes a sort <laughs> of scavenger hunt for some greater meaning. As the show's use of Judeo-Christian uh, uh, iconography, uh, its use of Jungian archetypes, its use of existentialist and phenomenological philosophy, all is supposed to add up to something life-changing and life-affirming. Um, I'm closer to that second camp. I am someone who who watched this show when I was young, when I was fifteen, fourteen, fifteen, um, through bootlegs, through overpriced DVDs. You know, this is the age of spending twenty or thirty dollars on a DVD with two to four episodes on oh, it. Yeah. um downloading bad fan subs. i I told you all how to watch some fan subs on the internet because this is not yet on Netflix. I had you all watch the first two episodes of the series.
4: I remember downloading episodes on LimeWire is what I shared. I've, I've seen like the first episode of this of like course. probably around the same era yep. Um. and uh, yeah, I think LimeWire is where I got my uh, shit.
1: <laughs> and like for me as a teen, I mean what I told you last night Rob, you and I briefly talked about this. We tried not to burn any cast but like at this point the point at which I saw Evangelion for the first time I had seen some Gundam, especially Gundam Wing, which had become popular through Cartoon Network. Uh, I had seen uh, you know, uh, some the, – the Battletech cartoon plus I had read a couple of those books. I had seen Robotech aka Macross um, and for all – and then of course other robot stuff, Transformers and, and some other similar things. And for me, they were cool toys. They were war machines, but they were mostly cool toys. <laughs> Even though Gundam Wing is filled with anti-war messaging, mo- mostly I was like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. But show me show me Gundam – show me like the cool wings. Let me see Gundam Wing turn into a plane again. That shit was sick. Um, and Evangelion was the first thing that made me realize I should hate giant robots and that mechs are scary and that there is something fascinating about the idea. And if you've listened to my other work, you know this, that we would ever b- decide to build – Giant war machines in our own image, right? There is something not inhuman about a tank. Why is it that instead we decided to build giant robots in these shows that look like us? Mm. What is happening there? And Evangelion was the first time I ever started to have those questions. And so for me, as a a storyteller, as a critic, as a fan, this was a really important show. And it was really fun to revisit it. And I'm so curious about what you two or you you three watched or thought about those two episodes I had you watch, which were the first two episodes. So just like before we get into my feelings about it, like what do you think?
4: I like the fact that it just jumps in. Yeah. Like, I'm, I expected uh, an enormous amount of, like, and this is both true of anime and of most media, is like, all right, first five minutes, like, set up that world for me with a narrator, man. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do this. And instead, <laughs> uh, I was impressed by the fact that the world building is really subtle. It allows you to make sort of leaps and inferences about, like, what's happening. Like, you're just told, oh, yeah, we call these angels. Why? Wait, what? Like, <laughs> yep. It's been 15 years? Well, what happened 15 years ago? Like, you know, obviously questions that might, you know, like any good storytelling, like it'll go around to that. But I was impressed by the fact that it was more interested in like the immediacy, which reflected like the immediacy of the character Shinji as in the moment that he's thrust into. Like that's reflected in all sorts of the storytelling that happens, especially in that first episode where you were just tossed into a situation and- like, despite the fact that you know Evangelion is is older at this point, like it still felt like refreshing and interesting. And I'm I'm unfamiliar with most of the storytelling. I will say, watching the intro, lots of internet memes made a lot more sense yep. to me. Yup, <laughs> <laughs> because all sorts of images and screen caps. I was like, oh, that's. Uh-huh. I mean, I like knew it on some level that I know that like so much of like geek culture, yeah. internet <laughs> geek culture, is like rooted in. Anime and like a select series of anime like Dragon Ball and and Evangelion. Like I knew that on some level, but like 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 Shinji's father. I was like, oh fuck, that's what that guy's from. Yeah, Uh I've seen I've seen giant text laid over that of course, of course, all sorts of times. (laughs) Um, so that's always fun when like you you find a work that like suddenly fills in a lot of gaps Mm -hmm. of like culture. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I I I really enjoyed the first two episodes like a, a lot because uh. I got pulled into the world because of the lack of explanation. Like yeah. I, I found myself curious about filling in those gaps going forward. What
1: the fuck is an angel? Good question. What the fuck is the human instrumentality project? Good question.
4: They just use terms. Like they just throw terms out constantly, but they don't feel like gobbledygook. They right. feel like they're said with intent as though like, look, man, we don't have fucking time to explain this to you. Like, <laughs> of course you that, know what an angel is. Th- 15
1: yeah. years ago, remember? Like yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't usually.
4: It's like usually like exposition is filled with or dialogue is filled with so much like accidental exp or purposeful exp, uh, exposition in order to like sneak in world building for the audience member, even though the characters would never talk that way. And Evangelion doesn't seem to do any of that well, upfront in a way that I found to to really that I really appreciated.
2: And that dovetails with something I really have enjoyed in these opening episodes. This is a world where things are happening and nobody is going to tell you why. They mm-hmm. have their reasons. Fuck you for asking. You know what I mean? Like, like this is a world of silent gods. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways. Like, and you know, part of it is the uh, strain, the strain, the shattered relationship uh, between Shinji and his father, uh, who seems very much like just an indifferent Old Testament, uh, you know, figure who you know sacrificing his children uh, for to to complete his own design. Um, But it also, like, the imagery is heavy-handed. But shit, I love heavy-handed imagery. There's <laughs> yeah. this moment where the, the kid <laughs> is being taken on this escalator into like the heart of like the a, mech facility. Yeah, It's like a car escalator. Yep. <laughs> and people are talking. No, no, no. This is when he's on the, oh. Oh, the personal escalator. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and so people are talking over his head, literally talking over his head about what they're up to. And he's just like downcast eyes. And in the background stretching out of oh, it's the background so good! is this <laughs> giant like hand in a claw grip Reaching out for him, and he's framed against it briefly, and then then it's passed. And it's such—it's such a great moment. And, and they don't talk a... about it.
1: It's not – It's not Shinji doesn't turn I – mean, so, so part of the reason why you don't get that exposition is because Shinji, who is like deep in his feelings, is not asking anybody anything. I promise you there are exposition dumps in Evangelion eventually. Um, and you get them through, through what feel like natural channels or at least I remember – it's been six or seven years since I watched this whole but show. But the fact that it's not happening in
4: the first two is episodes, important. which, is, which yeah. is contrary to – especially this is probably uh, uh, because so much like modern narrative – does all of that up front of, like, you know, you know the the, the classic Star Wars scroll yeah. uh, or something like that. Like, you get all of that in a way that Evangelion, at least in the first two episodes, isn't doing. So it's like, yeah, of course that's going to happen eventually. But at least up front, like, it is, it is striking and telling that it's not doing that, at least in the first two episodes.
3: I, uh, t- a couple of things immediately came to mind. First, it was beautiful. I loved the first shots. The first few shots where it's just – ambient noise yeah. and you see the angel kind of walking in it's before any of the the war mm-hmm. machines are like actually firing on it but they're all lined up you just hear like seagulls flying yes. by in the water and the cic- i was cicadas
1: like cicadas and
3: yeah yeah cicadas it, really strong cicada noises oh, yeah. and it was Welcome just to like anime
1: they're everywhere it's
3: summer <laughs> yeah uh-huh. like it was very very evocative so i thought that was really rad and also like similar to you patrick a lot of things started to make sense a lot of friend's screen names started to make sense. Oh, really? A whole lot of like, oh, that's <laughs> where this is from. That's really funny. As well, <laughs> which is very funny to me because I've always been like, what's that from? And they're like, oh, have you seen this thing? Also, I had this preconceived notion forever. Because, you know, through osmosis, that it was actually angels, like angels from heaven and Bibles. And I'm not saying it's not that.
1: Have you ever read about what angels actually look like in Christian? They're supposed
3: to be pretty terrifying. They're
1: actually supposed to be pretty terrifying. And so, like, that's one of the things that's super fascinating about the way these angels are is like, oh, these things are inhuman. Or if they have humanoid figures, they are not like idealized the way renaissance painting yeah. angels are they they're, are they fact, don't have
3: big white fluffy feathers they're actually like very grotesque looking from right, what i remember right. so i was very i was like oh that's what the angels that's are because angels i knew there are. were angels in this because mm-hmm. at one point a friend was like well the plot is angels come to earth and, and then they said a bunch of other things that i could not tell you <laughs> i don't remember it in the slightest but I was like, "Oh, angels came to Earth. Okay, right. it's re- it's religious. It's a it's a Eastern take on Western religion. That's what it is." Okay, Which
4: you could buy because there's lots. I mean, go go back look at Zenigiris. Like right. there's all, right. all sorts of instances right. of Japanese <laughs> stories like grafting um, Christian iconography and stories into it. So I am totally. with you. Like I could definitely see why you would buy that.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, so for me, the thing that the takeaway that's like the through line for all of you, and it's one for me. Going back to watch this was – I mean you're not going to know in the first two episodes if it speaks to you on that deeper level, on that like, hey, this says something to me about my depression or my sexuality or my identity or about politics or about the history of the world or philosophy. Like who knows in two episodes? But what I can say confidently in revisiting it is that as a, as a work of craft, as, an, as, a, as a show, it's so much better than I even remember it because when I think about Ava, I think about some key sequences. There's a sequence later on in the series in which two pilots need to sync up their movement. And they like listen to music together. It's like the idea of drift in Pacific Rim. Like Pacific Rim doesn't happen without Ava, to be clear. Uh, and the idea of like s- s- uh, synced up drift minds in Pacific Rim is lifted from that episode of Ava where they have to like match. Their- it's like okay, I remember the the robots dancing, basically. Okay, I remember you know this uh, encounter between Gendo and, and Shinji. Um, but I, what I don't, what I didn't remember, was just the quiet moments that end up being really. Well made, and I and I mean that in the most superlative way I can. Um- there is beautiful shot composition, like you said, Danielle, throughout the throughout the 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 entire uh, first episode. There's a massive robotic arm that you talked about, Rob, um, the like the str- the reveal of the mega city under the ground, and it's yes. just like weird pyramid, oh, that's amazing. um, wide shots of the like the city that's been taken by the sea as the angel walks towards it. Um, the moment at the end of episode two where Shinji Shinji sees the Ava unit's true face in the reflection of the skyscraper. These things are just like really well. Composed. But there's also like beyond those big picture things that are saying something about ecology or whatever, it's just character moment stuff that's communicated the way good visual storytelling is communicated. There's a there's that scene. Like episode two has two moments of this that I want to call out. One is there's the scene in which Shinji and Misato are leaving the uh the hospital. Shinji's been there since the encounter with the, the angel, and the the door opens, the elevator door opens, and Gendo is inside, and Shinji can't look at his father, looks away, the door closes. And like on paper, that's already like, okay, yeah, that's a good character moment to understand that Shinji has this fear of his father, His they're estranged, they have like, where is the mother in this, blah, 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 blah. Really interesting stuff. But- on the on the, the screen it's even stronger because it's mostly communicated through this long bright shot looking upward at them. You see like their bodies towering looking at each other, which in a show about giant robots, anytime that you're making people mm-hmm. look tall is important. And you're, you're looking up at the, the ceiling and on Gendo's side, it is a super bright white fluorescent light, which also the, the whole hospital is just like bathed in fluorescent light and desaturated and it's like in, it looks so good and bad at the same time, you know. Um, and on, on on the other side on the side where Misato and and Shinji are it's kind of dappled and blue black and like there aren't the, the grid kind of fades away and it's dark and like the door closes and you could get them divided and like dividing characters on a screen by way of physical interaction or physical like a physical object is like a classic school, like film school technique. It's like, film 101, (laughs) hey, if there's a division between these characters, draw a fucking line literally on the screen. This happens in, at the end of The Graduate, it's like a very popular scene uh, that includes this, right? It's like a classic, classic thing. And then later in that same episode, Shinji has to walk into Masato's apartment into his new home, and they frame it a similar way at his feet, showing him break the threshold, showing him wait and then break the threshold. And that's just like good 101 storytelling that's quiet. Um, and there's a, there's another really quick one I'm going to do very quickly, which is there's a sequence – after that sequence, they, they leave the hospital. He gets into the car and they're going to drive to Masato's place. Masato is going to become his like foster parent effectively, yeah. almost like a big sister figure for him. Um, and – uh, as they're driving through this tunnel, she's basically saying, oh, we got to have a party. And he's like, why do we need to have a party? Because I'm a depressed emo teen. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, to celebrate, you know, we're, we're, we're roommates now. And he like turns to look at her and you could end the scene there. You could, sh- you could show the car drive out the tunnel. And instead you hear the sound of a truck approaching and it just goes like mm-hmm. – And there suddenly is light behind her and it silhouettes her and that's the shot that Shinji Shinji sees. And this is why the show seems like it probably holds up for me is that's one of those things you don't even realize unless you're watching with a very engaged critical eye but which has an effect on you as the viewer. It produces in you a sense of anxiety, a sense of uh, sound being disruptive. It puts you in Shinji's place where what you want is quiet and suddenly that's, that's removed from the sequence. And so what you end up with is a feeling about Shinji, even though the show doesn't come out and say in that moment. And Shinji felt awkward about that car ride. <laughs> you get that impression. And the show is just very good at those sorts of storytelling techniques. And that was really impressive for me to revisit it. And I didn't expect any of that stuff. I remembered the, the plot dumps. I remembered the fights. <laughs> and the fights are cool, also, to be fair. Yeah.
4: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass."
2: As well as that that second episode, as Shinji begins paying the cost for having piloted this war machine... And, and like right away, like the cool relationship between pilot and machine. like mm-hmm. we were talking a little bit about this last night. There's this tagline that Pacific Rim never delivered on, but always like tri- like advertised itself with, which was to fight monsters, we created monsters. Yeah.
4: yeah. there's nothing
2: yeah. monstrous about the Jaeger program <laughs> no. in that movie. Like they're big fucking robots piloted by, you know, cool national stereotypes.. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> Power rangers
4: Yes, yeah, like yes. like it's like Pacific Room uh, trafficked in anime mecha, and kaiju. Yep, but actually it was just Power Rangers, which I would loved. Me some Power oh, Rangers is in like, this Tommy, heritage. the Green Ranger, like please, right. like give right. me that. I mean, know. so that is this. Specific... You're a bad boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all like Tommy. Come on, Tommy was
4: great,
3: right? No, did we not all Tommy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Tommy, Tommy was watching. good. Tommy was, Tommy great. was good.
1: So you didn't watch? You didn't see? I was power.
3: watching Zena at the time. That's fair.
1: I'm That's fair. Sorry, Tommy is the. Yeah, anyway. Um so the, the thing I just want to briefly call out, Rob, that you you know, and both of you in in with regard to Pacific Rim, um is that Pacific Rim is clearly in this heritage. It's a show about giant or a movie about giant mechs fighting against kaiju. But that's also the history of giant mechs. Um, mechs begin, you know, in the in I don't want to get like super deep into the history, but like the first mecha shows are super robot shows. They're called super robots because they're super powerful robots and they're fighting aliens and they're fighting kaiju. And they're emerging out of the same moment that shows like Ultraman are, are gaining popularity and eventually the, the Sentai shows in which sometimes it is Power Rangers and there are literally giant mechs fighting giant kaiju, right? That stuff happens for years. It happens through the 70s or through the 60s and the 70s really. I mean even further back, there are like – Straight up puppet shows with giant robots and stuff in the early, uh, the early to mid 20th century that like have giant, ro- piloted giant robots in them. Um, but they're always this kind of just like larger than life, separated from mundane, from in- from the uh, the kind of weight of mundanity, separated from mechanics. Like maybe you have someone who has a remote control to pilot something, but mostly it doesn't matter how they're controlling it. Mostly they're just big robot suits, um, and. And then when Gundam hits in 1979, it shifts to be a real war story. They start calling these real robot shows to contrast with super robot shows. Mm. They're not real in the sense that they're hard science fiction in the literary sense. But in comparison to shows like Mazinger Z... They are, they are kind of hard science fiction. They, they explain why you might want to use giant robots because of weird particle effects and stuff instead of it just being like, oh, of course you use the big super robot. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, and real robots end up dominating the scene for another decade or two. When Ava comes out, there's this weird moment in which super robots are on the decline but real robots haven't had a real big breakout in a bit. And what Ava ends up doing is sort of synthesizing these feelings. It returns to the super robot model of this isn't about – this isn't like Vietnam but with giant mechs. This is about – Alien invaders and singular, singular, powerful machines uh, who can give you superhuman powers, but it's all grounded in the costs of war, in the psychological cost of being a human. Period. Um, and 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 kind of brings in the terrified young pilot from Gundam. Um, Shinji is not unique in the sense that he doesn't want to fight. That is Amuro Ray, the hero from the first Gundam show, who is again a teenage boy whose father built the first Gundam. Like that is literally. Same, the show yeah. of Gundam is Amaru Ray's father, Tamura Ray, built Gundam and he – because of a twist of fate, he has to stumble into it to save the day and protect people and he doesn't want to do it because he's a teenage boy. That stuff is literally that. So there's a no subversion in that sense. What it is is it, it decides that the focal point of the show should be that terror um, and that you can make an entire show in the super robot space that almost – stretches those things out because when you do have a singular machine a singular living god instead of it being a mass produced you know tank basically all of those feelings become that much more intense and and that much more um, – everything feels more precarious, right? Because if this one machine breaks, you're fucked, um, which is kind of where, where the show kind of starts. Is like, OK, this is our last-ditch chance. Um, right. There's that great line where basically Masato is like, are we really going to – can we just do this? And Gendo was like, of course, unless we defeat the angels, we have no future. People don't matter. It doesn't matter what an individual does. It's just throw them to the fucking dogs, throw them into the gears and hope for the best.
2: Well, and the fact this machine is like, there's something unholy about it. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Like, oh, yeah. The fact that <clears throat> so contrast this with like, well, Battletech certainly traffics in this. Escaflone, like is a decent example of like, if you're a good enough pilot and you like are at peace enough with yourself and you really and you really know thyself, uh, you'll be the best. Uh, you you will unlock the full power of the Escaflown. Uh, and Gracie robot style jujitsu. I was
3: just going to say. Like, if you have a black belt in Brazilian Burgers, jiu-jitsu.
2: mechs,
1: and fighting in the Age of Loneliness, you know? Yes.
2: But what I like here is from the first, like, there's sort of a watchful, alive sense to the robot before he ever even pilots it. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that, like, this thing is waiting for him, and it needs him. Not necessarily to control it or pilot him. It just needs him to function to fulfill yeah. its role. And there's something deeply creepy about the way that relationship is framed from the beginning. Uh, and I do love in that second episode the way the cost of that relationship borne out through uh, Shinji's obvious, like, PTSD that everyone's just ignoring. Yeah. Uh, and, I, like, I love the little details of, like, he keeps having these, like, brief, like, like really scary, like, quick flashes of things like, that have happened or that he saw. And they're, like, literally just, like, two, three frames long. Yeah. And then you're snapped back to whatever his present is and he's, you know, just trying to get accustomed to these new surroundings, but the thoughts keep breaking through. Please just imagine
1: 15 year old Austin with a remote control, hitting pause as those little flips happen, trying to get each still shot (laughs) to see, okay, what's he thinking about? What's happening? What is the secret to unlock here? Which is not the way to watch the show, honestly. And yet I did it. Uh I was reading documents. (laughs) I was like, Ooh, what's this say? Yeah. Well, well, I think that's, uh, that's a, go ahead, Patrick, please. Oh no, Go. I'll I'll follow up. after. Very quick thing, which is just to Rob's point about, the EVA unit one needing Shinji, one of the things that's interesting there too in the history of mechs is that often you have the the teenage pilot who's like, oh, I'm the one who could do it the best. And so that's why you need, you gotta put Amuro in the Gundam because Amuro's piloted the Gundam. He's very smart. It ends up that he's a new type, which is a special, it's like a a Jedi sort of, not really. He's like force sensitive sort of kind of. And so he's like really good at machines. He does, like Donatello, Amuro Ray does machines. And so there is like a degree to which the there's like oh the special individual Shinji is also the special individual that they, they say like there's a point zero 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 one percent chance that this is going to work but he's not special in that he's good at piloting <laughs> yeah. it he's special that he is literally the key you put in the slot to make it do anything and that is such a dreadful I mean so that is part of the commentary about this show is that it goes really dark places. It does want to inquire about Shinji's sexuality. It does want to inquire about what it means to have a broken relationship with your family. It does want to inquire about the way women are used and discarded. It does all of that stuff. Um, And then the response ends up being really, really rough to get into. Like there are death threats sent to this team because of how the show ends. Um, There are – and then they follow up with a movie series that rewrites the ending of the series – and it does it and it's like –
4: It's a two-part movie series, It's a right? three-part
1: movie. Three I'm pretty sure, sure End of Ava. Is, it's been years since I've watched End of Ava. But like the death threats show up on screen. Like the the End of Ava is like a big fuck you to parts of the fandom that were aggressive and terrible. And also this is a story about depression and it's written by someone who's working through his depression. And often it goes to places that are – Not just problematic in the sense that they engage with content that you kind of feel upset by or that you feel like has a a bad ideology behind it but are also just hard to deal with, cynical, nihilistic and that can put people off of the show in in a major way and I get that. Patrick, you had a point earlier that I stepped on.
4: That's okay. Like One, a, like your, a robot. your your pitch as a nihilist the nihilistic pitch is actually that works for me. Like yeah. it's twenty eighteen. Yeah, like let's Sounds do good. this, dude. Um,
1: <laughs> you would there is shit there is shit I want to talk about in this series that you don't know yet. That is yeah, wild. I, well, it,
4: so I, I yeah like I, well uh, so, so part of what was the hook and I have t- two quick points. One is that like um, like watching the intro to the show like the introduction of of the angel. Um, it reminds me a lot of like before kaiju became kaiju in which it became like giant rubbery creatures yeah. just bashing the shit out of each other like go watch um the original uh godzilla like yeah. go watch Gohira. like it is uh there's a great criterion collection edition of it um it is it's a it is still despite you know the progress of digital effects uh or pra- even practical effects like a very effective film and it in in there's a sense of awe to like creatures that are and things that are are beyond us uh things that that do come across to us as gods and we are just small little things that have no impact and like what i enjoyed about the intro was it it f- got back to some of my i mean i enjoy the the goofy you know aspects of kaiju but like my favorites are like the original godzilla i the, the elements of the rebooted godzilla that i tried to get back to that original sense of like no like this is like something beyond our understanding that uh, is, is to be feared and, and both to, to look at in awe. And mm-hmm. so I think it really nails that part of early uh, sort of like a kaiju features that were actually about um, sort of respecting these giant unimaginable things, even as much as they threatened us. And two, uh, this show has a very weird sexual energy.
1: Yeah, dog. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Um You ain't seen
1: shit yet. It's a lot. I bet.
4: So, like, there were like two shots in particular uh, that stood out to me. Um... Like, one uh, was when they're in the car and the camera is positioned uh, mm-hmm. down in her yes. crotch. And I expected, like, oh, right, okay, so this is going to be the thing. Like, sexy anime lady. Like, he's going to, like, start, like, trying to, like, look over at her. And, like, this is going to be the moment where, like, the reason it's pe- angled down by her crotch is like, he's going to go, like, look over her and, like, start sweating. You know, like, yeah, he's yeah. attracted to her and doesn't know how to deal with it. <laughs> um, and then the second one was, like, when they're, one deep respect for the amount of malt liquor this woman could put down. Yo. Like, uh, this reminded me a lot of early days with me drinking with my wife where we would just get like a 30-pack and have way too many of them and they'd all stack up on a table. So, like, enjoyed that part. Mm-hmm. But two, there's just like the shot of her ass out of nowhere. Um, That, like, yeah. just positions right behind her. But what's weird about both of them, Um, and again, maybe this is more clear, and the reason I call it weird sexual energy is because the shots don't feel especially sexualized. They just, I mean, they are, but they aren't, like... Leering in the way, I don't know. Like, They're I get like shot I can't... camera angles, but not right. necessarily well, cause like the guy, like, the, like, Shinji doesn't comment on it, right? Because you, there's usually there's, there's the A, which is the creep shot angle, and then there's usually the B, which is character reacting to that creep yeah. shot angle. And Shinji does not react in either scene. Um, and so, like, there's this dynamic that's being set up in which it's like, oh, like, you know, older woman, younger boy, but like, you know, eventually, like they're going to have sex uh, like, or it's going to get weird. Um, and I don't know. Like, again, like Austin, you're alluding to a lot. There uh, is a lot. Where so, might, where this would go. But like, I just, the first oh. two episodes set up a very <laughs> strange sexual energy that is both different than what I expect from like the anime trope of how they would set up like this dynamic. And I just have no idea where it goes from here because I don't even know what the, the show is communicating with the, with what's the, the there shot, now. The, the shot frameworks card. are so, are so specific right. That I, I find myself confused in an interesting way. I just don't know what to take away from it, um, from from what I've seen so far.
3: I was so confused by the postcard at the very beginning too. I was like, is, is she like a honeypot? Yeah, that's that what comes across. What's going on here? Yeah, and I, I. Clearly, just confused. Well, about what so that was what was going on there.
1: there. Is, so there's like uh, two answers. One, I think that whole sequence when they go back to Misato's place and they reveal Pen Pen, the penguin, <laughs> this, the fucking <laughs> rad ass
3: <laughs>
4: rude penguin, you, picking up the can is a va- great the, visual gag. The, the I straight the up, can just the, the can is fucking
2: roommate.
1: I know. I want Pen Pen as a roommate too. Um, the reveal, yeah, the mat. There's like this is a box of toothpicks underneath the the malt liquor can to not. Reveal Shinji's uh, dick is like, okay, wow, well, lots happening here. Um, <laughs> Uh, and also, I don't know if any of you watch the next time on that happens after the end credits, mm-hmm. which are fly me to the moon, by the way, and great. Um, but in the in both of the end credits, Misato is the narrator and she's like, and there'll be fan service referring to her, t- t- her TNA, ah, right? right? Her right. ass a- up on the screen. Yeah. And this is one of those like very contested issues in the, sh- in the series fandom, partially because the game or the game, the, the show absolutely objectifies women in – the ways that anime often does and partially because the show objectifies women in the narrative in important ways that are hard to it is hard to know if it is a successful satire or if it's just doing the thing anime does sometimes and by that mm. i mean this is a this is a contested field uh, ava rele- uh, released in 1995 1994 1995 okay. it has been you know uh, years, 20 plus years of debate around this stuff. This is part of why there's so much energy around this Netflix re-release. It's like, we're going to fucking live through this discourse, aren't we? This is going (laughs) to, the discourse is fucking coming. Like how long until Ava is too problematic when in fact... It is problematic, but it's also this look at things like depression and then specifically – this this points to the Misato stuff. There, there are two other characters. You, you saw Ray a little bit, the blue-haired <laughs> girl with – who is like crawling out of her fucking stretcher to try to get back into a robot at one point. Um, and then another, another uh, uh, young woman named Asuka uh, who is uh, – who are both objects of sexual interest for Shinji but also – but also Shinji's sexuality and his queerness end up being a central factor in the later half of the show. Mm. Him struggling with the fact that he has attraction to other men. Mm. On top, Spoilers. Yeah, it's important. It's worth knowing this. Okay. And it's not its not worth knowing it because it isn't. Free- I'm just saying because we're, we're, okay, yeah, yeah okay. We made, I, oh, made
2: some
4: promise that. You're already committed to this, huh, Patrick? Patrick? Yeah, is yeah I am. I'm in. I'm in too. Doing it. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, and the spring we're gonna do uh when it uh, hits uh, yeah, be good and rewatch it and we're gonna just watch this whole series. I'm fucking in. Let's do this. Let's do it. I'm, I'm this here. This is for turning it. into my Dragon Ball Z. Hell giant yes. bomb. Like us yeah. watch yeah. Neon Genesis Evangelion. I'm in. Hell yeah! Finally,
1: finally, we did it. Waypoint's been worth it.
3: It's finally (laughs) come together. It's all been worth it. Um,
4: Austin, Austin, I got you to seriously sit and critique four fucking purge movies. The least I can do. (laughs) The least I can do. (laughs) Those movies are
1: great. All said, I know.
4: Yes. I'll have the same response to this show, probably. Probably,
1: Pro- uh, you know. There's, ooh, there are some things that <laughs> everyone at this table are gonna have some fucking thoughts about. I'm excited. Good. Oh, and there's another thing here, which is that Ava is also in the middle of, do du- uh, in the middle of a sort of renaissance. In a se- in a sense, there is we're in the middle of the release
2: of four different. Uh, Ava movies, is that right? Yeah, four. four it turned. Has out. What? Four has not come out yet. So Wait, I thought the last one was just a big fuck you to fans and it's done. That was
1: End of Ava. Starting in 2007, there have been a series of things called Rebuild of Evangelion, aka Evangelion, the new theatrical edition, which have been retellings, movie-based retellings of the show with some major differences. I haven't seen these at all. I never got around to them because I'm waiting for them all to be done. And three of them are out Two thousand one came out in 2007, one came out in 2009, one came out in 2012. The last one is due out in 2020.
4: Oh, so- important. Uh, so connected to that, the reason that last one has been delayed is because um, the last Japanese Godzilla film was directed and written oh, by right. the Evangelion guy, Anno. Yeah. Um, and that film uh, is uh, – Is a I haven't seen it yet. Now this is gonna be an excuse to finally go sit and watch it because I can't watch (laughs) Evangelion until the spring, right? And the the new one is essentially like him trying to find to re to recontextualize the original Godzilla film, right? In a like to re to find a way to be scared and 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 mortified of Godzilla as a creature and in a political context in the same way that the original Godzilla dealt with our fears of nuclear annihilation. So like that's. These movies take forever. Like, but I remember hearing about those because people were kind of pissed that he was working on a Godzilla film because it was going to delay any work. That's um, extremely these funny.
3: That's I haven't seen that.
1: I really want to see that too. We should watch that between now and then. There, there's yeah. one. That's that's an easy that's an easy one to add to the, mm-hmm. the be good and rewatch it list. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to talk about. Like again, even just in terms of sexuality stuff with Gendo, his father trying to you know push on Shinji what a man is. Like that stuff, it does go there. And I the thing that my big takeaway from this revisit of it has given me is that. <sighs> if it works in the end and again we'd have we were going to have to rewatch it to see if it works for us and and if all of its contradictions and its nihilism and everything else do add up to something really special i suspect it will for me but i suspect it will because of these little moments not because of the symbology and the and not the fan service and not the you know the even not even the mech fights though so those are really cool like that mech fight is dope that monster is cool it does feel strange and different it does not just feel like this like a, a kaiju in the very mass-produced, uh, you know, it's a big monster, rubbery monster sense. Um, but I think it's those little moments. It's those quiet character moments. It's the way uh, the shot composition happens. It's the music. The music in the show is fantastic all the way through. Um, and it is the way it is knowledgeable about its place and time in history. That I guess for me the very last thing is – and Rob, you and I again briefly briefly talked about this is when unit one is finally revealed on screen, not just a hand in the distance, not just a head poking out of weird green water, it emerges and they begin to do work on it because they have to prep it for launch. And this is a sacrosanct uh, type of sequence in mecha anime culture, the like reveal of the machine. This is what the series is based on. Run out and buy the model kit. Run out and buy the, the toy. Quickly go buy the game. This is the hero. And it plays the the triumphant swell. It has the orchestral music come in as if like, ah, we were showing you your God is here. But it's like this sickly purple green monster. And it has weird ridges where there should not be any. And it is spiked where it should be smooth. And it, it has a mouth. Why does my giant robot have a mouth? What's going on there? And that is like it is sick in, in, a, in a really powerful way, right? It's like uh, Gundam was always already Evangelion, right? The Gundam is already a sick monster. But because there is a toy deal, you got to make it look good. That's not a joke. Gundam was remodeled yeah. over and over again until it looked like a good toy. And the creators of that show knew what the fuck it was. That is a show about like fuck off with war, Like, you know, protect the people you love, but don't be a warmonger. These machines make us the worst versions of ourselves. Truly, we should retreat until we are swans in in nature. Um, But the show has to put on the show. And Evangelion from the jump is not only not putting on the show – it is not interested in it and or it's in perverting the, the show. A hundred percent. Or it's revealing the perversion that was always always there. Yeah. Not to get too Zizekian about it, but like <laughs> the, I, I'm not gonna do my Zizek. Nope. I would I would cover Danielle and spit. But so imagine, I, imagine, imagine what Zizek. Shower. Yes, a hundred percent. I'm sure Zizek fucking loves Ava, actually. Anyway, that's Evangelion. We'll return to it in a few months' time, whenever Netflix deigns to to grace us with its presence. Um Hopefully, that Cowboy Bebop show is out by then, too, because
2: I'm sure oh, I'll have thoughts on don't that. Don't oh, be Also, there's a live-action Korean version of Jinro. I need people to tell me whether that's good or not. It doesn't look good. <laughs> While seems we're in to our anime. Jinro is neon cyberpunk, uh, so oh. that seems like the wrong thing to take away from that. But anyway, if people have seen uh, the, the live-action Jinro... Let me know. Uh, anyway, that will do it for this week's Waypoints. Our thanks to Two Mellow for the track Slide Asleep off the album After Midnight. You can find that at twomelomakes.bandcamp.com. You can keep up with all of us at waypoint.vice.com. I'm Rob Zachney. You can find me on Twitter, at Rob Zachney. Patrick, where can people find you? At Patrick Danielle.
3: Practicing MMA, at Danielle R.I.
2: Austin.
1: Austin underscore Walker. And I'm just going to plug my fucking thing. If you think listening to me talk about giant robots is cool, you should listen to Friends at the Table's second season counterweight. It is all about this shit. It is literally me trying to work through my feelings about giant robots.
2: Look it up. Nice. All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the break. We'll be back again with Waypoint Radio uh, later this week. We hope you'll join us again. But until then, do not give in to Astonishment. All right. Good show. Good. Okay, so Austin, hold on though. Yeah. When Shinji sees the reflection from the mech's head. Yeah. Apparently, uh-huh. I wrong. That mech's head is on the fucking ground.
1: No, the armor has fallen off of the head, revealing oh. an organic interior. That. Okay. It, it has an eyeball. It has flesh. Yeah. It is like, regrows. It, it regrows. But yeah, no, no. He's not seeing the head on the ground. He's seeing the, the. It's as if the knight's helmet has fallen off to reveal, in fact, it is not a big robot. It is a big creature, and he has been inserted into it.
2: Hell yeah.
1: We That's are, we, so you know, lest we become them. It means it. So just freaking wait.
0: the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. We don't
1: um, is He guess ran out probably, to get water. Oh, did he also?
3: It's just water. Yeah, okay. I think so. I don't think he's going to be.
1: It's a great song. <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing it. It's so good.
3: Are you you Vernon cast he over was, here? He was
1: whistling uh, cruel angel's thesis.
3: Oh, good.
2: I've heard that song exactly twice in my life, and it's lodged in my head. Dude, I have never seen any Evangelion. But
1: you've never seen, like, it's never been, like,
4: sent to you. No AMVs? No AMVs, no, no weird.